So I'd always been able to run to a local store and, uh, and pick something up very fast, like early, early Sunday morning. Well, we lived in a little small community that didn't have a place to run to, and I, I didn't uh, remember it uh, quick enough, and so there I was without a corsage. And my wife, at that time, is really before she got saved. No, <laughs> no I'm kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, she just wasn't full of Jesus as she is now. And uh, so uh, I didn't have a flower for her to wear. And so she got one that was stuck in a Bible from like a wedding a few months before. And it was all shriveled up. It was a flower, you could tell it was. And uh, it had a red ribbon on it and all, and, but it was dried up. I mean, it, it was dead as, a, as last year's corn shuck. And uh, she put that thing on. And uh, her, my, my sweet little daughter, Misty, was just begging her, Mama, don't wear that to church. Please don't wear that to church. Don't wear that to church. And she wore it to church. And everybody that would look at it would uh, say, Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> they didn't know what to say. So Phyllis would have to explain to them, my husband did not buy me a corsage, and this is what I had to wear this morning. And uh, so I had to get up in front of the whole church and apologize for forgetting. So let me encourage you. Guys, don't let your wife wear a dead corsage. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not a good thing. No, that only happened one time, but uh, she's been sweet to me since then. <laughs> well, how many of you in love with Jesus this morning? Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you so very, very, very much. Uh, if you'll take your Bibles, turn with us to our theme verse. Everybody know what our theme verse is? Psalm 23? Say, we're still there, Pastor? Yeah. Say, I hadn't been here in three weeks, and we're still in Psalm 23. Well, we're taking our time. We're learning a lot of good things uh, from the Word of God, and especially about these Lordship lessons. Uh, we've learned that He directs us to define us. The Lord is my shepherd. I am totally dependent upon Him. I shall not want. I'll be satisfied with His present provision in my life. We learned that he defends us to develop us. He is taking us through the process and the purpose of peril so that we will trust him. And our faith is growing every day as we learn how faithful he is in times of trouble. And then he gives us dominion to design us. He gives us dominion to design us. Life is a battle, but in the midst of it, God prepares a banqueting table for his people. And so we are learning this life of victory. God has planned on us being victorious. He gives us dominion to design us. Now, 
Today, we want to look at the fourth uh, truth, and I think this will finish us up. And number four, he gives us distinction to distinguish us. This distinction is the mark of the Holy Spirit on our life. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that God has given unto us the earnest of our inheritance. It's a down payment on heaven. It's a little bit of heaven to go to heaven in. And that is the presence of the Holy Spirit living in our life. The Holy Spirit living in us is a down payment, the earnest money, that one day we are going, God is going to pay the full redemptive price to bring us into his wonderful presence. Hallelujah. And so until that day, he, he marks us with an anointing. We are sealed under the day of redemption with the presence of the Holy Spirit. He distinguishes us in the earth as spirit-anointed people. We want to talk about this distinction of the mark of the Holy Spirit upon every Christian's life. There are five benefits of the anointing. Now, look at with, uh, with me in uh, verse 5 of, of Psalm 23. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We've, we've talked about that. He gives us dominion to design us. And now here's the next phrase that I want us to get. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. My cup runneth over. The five benefits of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We want to look at the very first one. And uh, it's found in Psalm 133. Notice in Psalm 23, David says, Thou anointest my head with oil. David, of all people, could talk about being anointed. Uh, three different times in the Word of God, in the life of David, we are told that he had oil poured on his head. The first time when he took King Saul's place, you remember Samuel went down to the house of Jesse and found a new king. He was anointed there. Samuel took a horn of oil and poured it upon his head. And it ran down upon his face and upon his garments. The second time he was anointed that we read about in the scripture is when he became king in Hebron. And he ruled there seven years over part of Israel, the southern tribes actually. And so for seven years he was an anointed king there. And then all 12 tribes adopted David and received him as their king, recognized him as king. And he was anointed then in Jerusalem, and for 33 years he lived as king in Jerusalem. So three times he had had the prophet of God pour oil upon his head. And so he could speak of that in a personal way. The oil of God represents the presence of God and the enablement of the presence of God to do what the Lord has called you to do. Everybody say, I'm anointed with oil. Psalm 133, read along with me. I love the picture here that's being 
given to us. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he says that unity is, is, is like something. It, it's metaphorical. It's like something. It can be compared to something. Verse 2, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. Now verse 2 is talking about the anointing of the high priest. The first time that God set Aaron and his sons aside to serve the Lord behind the veil. And they were anointed with oil. You remember Moses poured the oil on Aaron's head. And the Bible says it ran down from his head upon his beard, upon his garments, to the very skirts of his garments. So from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Everybody say all over me. I'm telling you that's the issue with the anointing. It only impacts where it's allowed to go. Well, thank you, Phyllis. I got my amen corner over here. The, the, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, can only impact where he's allowed to go. If he's allowed to go in, 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 in your mind, he'll impact your thinking. If, if he's allowed to go in your heart, he'll, he'll impact the way you feel. If he's allowed to go into your hands and feet and eyes and senses, he'll, he'll impact how you act. And that's what I want to get to this morning, is, is understanding the very first benefit of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is directional. It is directional. Notice, it, it's poured on the head and it runs down. Everybody say it runs down. And that's where we got to get to. We, we've got to let it start at our head and then run down. And the, the presence of the Holy Spirit impacting every area of our life where He's allowed to have influence. Let's talk just a little bit for a moment about these three areas. If we allow the Holy Spirit to anoint our minds, anointed people think right. Say it with me. Anointed people think right. Even if you have a fiery dart shot into your mind, and, and I want to tell you the devil will do that. He shoots fiery darts, and those fiery darts are lies or accusations or, or, or would-be truths. And, and, and he shoots them into your mind, and he's combating the truth of God. He's trying to displace right thinking with wrong thinking. God tells you you are his child, that, that he has plans for you, that your life is being ordered by the Lord... Stand still and see the salvation of God. And the old devil, he'll shoot a fiery dart into your mind. And he'll say, you're not saved. You're not even a child of God. You're not born again. You're lost. You're, you're away from God. And by the way, you'll never amount to anything. Has the enemy ever told you that? You see, you understand what I'm talking about. You're going through a spiritual trauma there. You're going through a spiritual battle. But if your mind is anointed with oil... If the Holy Spirit is active in your thought process, you will combat that and you will think right. 
You will not follow the lies of the enemy. You will think right. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations. Now I want to tell you what imaginations are. Things that do not exist. Things that we invent. Like, you know, you see after church, you see three or four people standing over here talking and immediately you're the center of their conversation. They're talking about you. Well, I just want you to know you're not that popular. <laughs> Who do you think you are? You see, it, 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 that, that's an imagination. That's the devil saying, oh, you know, they're probably talking about that. Oh, no, they're probably thinking. Uh, come on. Anointed people, people who are anointed in their mind, think right. And, and it doesn't really matter whether they're talking about you or not. You are, really, you ought, to be, you ought to be dominated by what God is thinking about you. I've always lived my life not by what other people are thinking about me, but always what God is thinking about me. And God is telling you you're his child. He loves you. He stands this morning. His banner over you is love. He's singing a song over you. He's prophesying his word over you. His spirit and his presence is all around you. Angels are encamped about you. His blood is upon your life. Uh, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. His love is about you. I'm telling you, friend, his peace dwells in you. You are surrounded, enveloped, bubbled by the love and presence of God. Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. If we tell ourselves these things which are truths, we will think right. Well, the devil wants to get you all messed up by, by telling, your, telling you about all of these things that are not true, and, and, and you've got to do something with those imaginations. The Bible says, casting down imaginations. Pull them down. Don't let them stay there. And, and then it says, and, and, and then every high thing. Well, the word thing there really is referring to thought. So every high thought, what's a high thought? A high thought is a thought that the enemy is bringing into your mind that's trying to elevate itself above the thinking of God. See again? You, you understand what I'm saying? How many, how many of you wave at me and say, Pastor, I'm getting this? Great. I pray the rest of you catch up. <laughs> so, so, casting down imaginations, things that do not exist. Have, have you ever created your own monster? Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Casting down imaginations, every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When God's Word says something, that's as high a thought as you can think. And every other thought needs to be brought under that. And so a high thought that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God, you cast it down. You bring it down. You put it under the Lordship of Jesus. And then the next one says, and bring every thought captive... Make it a prisoner and make it obedient to Christ. 
If it doesn't serve the will of God, if it's a thought that doesn't honor Christ, if it's a thought that doesn't bring uh, God's will into your life, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put it in prison and not allow it to have any impact or influence on your life. I tell you, I could quit preaching right now and I've done well. Anointed people think right. Anointed people think right. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you have the oil of God upon your head, you do not let the enemy run rampant in your mind. Secondly, anointed people act right. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Brethren, beloved, or hey you, <laughs> Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. It's not too much to ask. That's what Paul's saying. And be not conformed to this world, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Anointed people think right. We are told by the Apostle Paul to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We are told to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not to make provision for the desires of our flesh. Let him who stole steal no more. Let the one who dealt in adultery and lies, let him do those things no more. What, what's, what's God telling us? Uh, know you not that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. Anointed people act right. In other words, your talk is backed up with your walk. The way you talk is, is confirmed and affirmed by the way you, you live. And I want to tell you something, friend. We're living in a day and an hour when the world is pointing its finger at the church and hollowing hypocrisy ever louder. Why? Because we have gotten away from an understanding that God's people, anointed people, think right and God's people act right. Now, we're not perfect. If you're looking for perfection, you won't find it here. Just look around. No, don't do that. There won't be any perfect people here. But I tell you, there are anointed people who are striving to be led by the Holy Spirit to live right. Now, anointed people not only think right, anointed people act right, and anointed people feel right. Come on. Now, I know every, every day can't be a party. Every day is not a party. Every day is not, not a feel-good day. There are days when, when our emotions are, are on on, on the downward slide, but I, I just want to tell you, we, we don't have to stay there. 
We don't have to stay there. Uh, anointed people feel right. Listen, listen to what, and here's the key. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, be anxious for nothing, or don't be filled with anxiety. I think that's the way the NIV says it, uh, the nearly inspired version. Be anxious for nothing. That's the King James Version. That's the one Jesus preached out of. <laughs> it wasn't even written. Okay, here we go. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication. Supplication means a deep crying out to God, like intercession and uh, uh, giving yourself and your emotions, your everything to God. By prayer and supplication. It's not a now I lay me down to sleep. You heard, you heard the uh, two drunks that were talking one time, and, and one of them said to the other one, he said, I bet you $10 you can't say the Lord's Prayer. And the other one said, I guarantee I can. He said, well, just go ahead and do it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And the other guy said, you know what? I didn't know you knew that. <laughs> Come on now. That's about the way we are as far as literacy concerning prayer. Prayer is more than just saying a formal uh, a prayer or, or something memorized. Prayer is expressing yourself to God and sharing the deepest heartfelt emotions that you have. A lot of people are afraid they're going to offend God if they get loud. A lot of people are afraid that they're going to offend God if they just say it straight. A lot of people are afraid they're going to, to, to do something wrong in their prayer life so they're timid. I'm just here to tell you the Bible says, Declare unto me, I am the Lord. Talk to me. Tell me what you need. Ask and it shall be given. And I tell you, if, if, if we be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication, and listen to this, mingled or mixed with, with thanksgiving, put a hallelujah in there every now and then, and a thank you Jesus, and a praise the Lord, and God I love you, and you're so wonderful. Mixed with thanksgiving. Listen to what happens. And the peace of God that passeth all understanding beyond human comprehension. And the peace of God that passes all uh, comprehension shall, passes understanding, shall guard. The word is sentinel. It, it literally means to put a soldier at the door of your mind and at the door of your heart. And I want to tell you, if God puts a soldier at the door of your mind and at the door of your heart, nothing evil is going to get in those two places. And so you're going to think right. You're going to act right. You're going to feel right. Why? Because you prayed, you believed, and you turned it over to Jesus. I'm telling you, friend, we need that this morning. So the first benefit of an anointing is from head to toe. It's directional. And it starts with the way we think, and it moves to the way we act, and it produces the way we feel. If you think right, and act right, you're going to feel right. Number two. It'll be all right if I, I do part one, 
this morning and part two tonight? Can, can, okay, because y'all can't take all this. I'm just telling you, you can't. I'm not sure I can. Number two, everybody say number two. The anointing is not only directional from the head to the toe, but the anointing is defining. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power, dunamis. There are four words in the New Testament for, for power or miracle or sign or wonder. One is paradoxin, one is teros, uh, one is simeon, and one is dunamis. Those are the four words in the New Testament in the Greek for power or sign or wonder. And the one that's used here is dunamis. And dunamis is the word that we get our English word dynamite from. And it refers to the releasing of energy. Now, I, I, I want to say something to you. God's power can be manifested in authority. In other words, if, 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 uh, if a law officer deputizes you, you are given authority to act in their behalf. That means you have authority to arrest somebody. You have an authority to give a ticket. You have an authority vested in you by the authority. Come on now. The Bible says, but as many as received him, Jesus, to them gave he authority, power, to become the sons of God. The reason I'm a son of God is because Jesus gave me permission to be called a son of God. I wasn't born one. I was made one. Legally made one. You too. Y'all are looking at me like a calf staring at a new gate. I don't know what's going on there. But I'm happy. You're not stealing my joy. I'm staying happy. I've been happy all my life. You can be a sad sack all you want to be. Yeah, I'm as happy as a monkey on a banana farm. <laughs> well, some of y'all smiled, it'd crack your face, I tell you. Come on now, Jesus will make you happy. The, the, the anointing is defining. Now, I know everything's not happy all the time. Please, I, I live in that world. The anointing is defining. You shall receive power. Energy is the word dunamis. The release of energy or supernatural force. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit is come upon you. After the anointing has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. The word witness is martus in the Greek. And it means martyr. Uh, a living dead person is literally the way it re refers to. As I give myself to Christ and I die to the flesh, I come alive in the Spirit. I'm a walking dead man. You get your feelings hurt all the time. It means you're not dead like you need to be. You ever pinched a dead body? They don't move. I was an orderly in uh, Washtenaw County Hospital for three years, and I saw everything you could possibly see. And, and one of my jobs was when somebody died uh, to carry them, their body down to the morgue if it was going to be autopsied. And, and so I... I was, a, I, I never will forget, it was 17 years old, and it was a, I was on the midnight shift, and somebody died, and so they were going to be autopsied, so they told me to wheel the, 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 
my worst nightmare, I'm telling you. And, and how many of you know in a small county hospital that uh, at midnight there's not a whole lot of people working? You and, and, and just a few others, uh, one, one or two on each wing. And, and so I, 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 I got the body, put it on the gurney, and we got in that goofy elevator. Oh, dear God. It was a Jason movie. Anybody been there? I tell you, I was making a Jason movie or a, a Friday the 13th or a Halloween number 45. I, I was in there in that elevator by myself with that dead body and minding my own business, just praying under my breath, God, please, please help me, Lord. Don't let nothing hurt me. I'm on edge, you know. St starts going down. And I don't know what ever happened, but we hit a bump. And when we did, sometimes dead bodies will flinch, especially if they hadn't been dead very long. And that body, the leg on it, pulled up. <laughs> I like to have tore that elevator apart. <laughs> if I hadn't have been much man, I'd have cried right there. I'm just telling you. My point being, if you're really dead, you don't have feelings. If we're constantly getting our feelings hurt, there's something wrong with us. We hadn't died like we need to die. Now, I, there's no excuse for people being rude. There's no excuse for people being mean. There's no excuse for people acting ungodly or unchristlike. But, but even at that, even at their worst, we're supposed to forgive. And so, so I'm just saying to you, the anointing is defining. One of the anointings, I'll get, that to, I'll get there tonight, okay. The, the, the anointing is defining. There were three anointed offices in the Old Testament. Okay, I'm, I'm going to quit in, uh, in a little bit. <laughs> I'm just giving you hope. <laughs> yeah, three anointed offices in the Old Testament. Prophet, priest, and king. Everybody say that with me. Prophet, priest, and king. They anointed the prophet to rebuke and to restore the people in relationship with God. He, he would preach a strong word from the Lord and he would call the people from sin and, 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 and bring repentance and then revival. And then the priest. The priest was anointed in order to connect men with God and connect God with men. The, the priest was an advocate. He was a go-between. He was a mediator. And so he would stand between God and man in the temple and in the tabernacle and make a sacrifice that would bring peace between God and man. And, and, and the priest would redeem and reconcile. And then the king, he would rule and reign. And all three of those offices were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. He was prophet, priest, and king. And uh, since Jesus Christ, there are no prophets like unto him. 
Uh, I believe in New Testament prophets, but they're somewhat different than the Old Testament prophets. And uh, there never will be another one that will speak for God like Jesus. And you say, Pastor, give me some scripture. Okay, in Hebrews chapter 1. In various and sundry times, at different times, at different moments, God spoke to men by the prophets. Listen to it. But now, in these last days, He has chosen, chosen, God has chosen. Everybody says, it's not my deal, it's God's deal. God has chosen to speak to us by His Son. So if you're running around telling everybody you're a, a modern-day New Testament prophet, you're not like Jesus, okay? I'm just telling you, the Bible says you're not. And, and, and I don't have anything against people who have an anointing to prophesy or an anointing to declare God's Word. But, but I'm telling you, uh, there aren't any prophets in the New Testament like unto Jesus. He's the last one. He told us when the rapture is going to take place. Or when it wasn't going to take place. He just told us to be ready. Didn't he? He told us about the end times. And he told us about the Antichrist. And he told us about the beginning of sorrows. And all those things. And if anybody wants to add anything to that. Just discount it. Because Jesus has already told us about it. You know, the church would be a lot better off if we'd get a hold of good stuff like that. But people, I, I remember James Hamill. He was the pastor of, uh, he was a pastor. I'm going to bring this plane down. It's a long runway and a big plane, but I'm bringing it down. We're about 20 minutes up. No. <laughs> James Hamill was pastor of First Assembly of God in Memphis for 35 years, probably. Uh, great man. He's from Hope, Arkansas. Uh, where, where he's Arkansan. All great preachers come from Arkansas. It's our chance to say amen. I tell you, you got to stay with me. Uh, James Hamill told this story at General Council one time, and I never will forget it. I was a young preacher, and it made an impact upon me. He, he, he was talking about the confession movement back in the uh, 70s. Uh, when things got goofy as far as people can uh, name it and claim it and, 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 and say it and spray it. <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. Yeah. And, and, and he was telling this story. He said, he said I grew up on a farm. Uh, and he said, we had hogs. And he said, I noticed something about the hog pen. Now right down, he'd, he'd already gotten kind of dirty, had he? talking about preachers and hogs come on so so he said I want you to know something about hogs he said I, I noticed that I could I could pour some beautiful ears of corn whole ears of corn that had beautiful golden corn on it and I could just pour the trough full and, and the big old pigs and the hogs would get in it and they'd just eat it and they'd just, just feast upon it and said they'd be the runt he said be the nappiest pig in the whole bunch said he'd go up there and of course he was smaller than the rest of them he couldn't get into what was going on all the good corn that was there so he'd pick up the knobbiest ear he could find and that pig would take off with it and run around the, the pig pen with that little knobby 
ear of corn. Wasn't worth spending your time on trying to eat. But he'd make a lot of noise about his little knobby ear of corn. And he said, eventually, every one of the big old pigs that was eating all that good stuff in the trough, they'd leave the trough and go see what that hog was squealing about. A knobby ear of corn. I just want to tell you, there are a lot of preachers, all they got is a knobby ear of corn. They're running around squealing about, Look at my little knobby ear of corn. Isn't that good? I, I'm not going to call names, but I'm just telling you, there's a lot of them. They, they're just squealing about their little knobby ear of corn. And they're pulling all the saints away from the good feed in the trough that God has laid up for them. I'm preaching good now. Don't you run off after some little old knobby ear of corn and a little squealing hog that doesn't know what he's talking about. Come on. Stay with the good stuff. Stay with Jesus. Stay with the Word of God. Stay with balance. Stay with the truth. And... and. Uh, <laughs> The prophet was anointed to rebuke and restore. The priest was anointed to redeem and reconcile. The king is anointed to rule and to reign. And it doesn't matter what ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, any one of the five-fold ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, any one of those, you can't operate in it, you can't function in it unless you're anointed. You can holler all day long, I'm a prophet, but if you're not anointed to be a prophet, you, you can't function in it. I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. That's why churches get tore up because the people that are trying to operate in an anointing aren't anointed. God help us. If you're going to be functioning in an office, let it be that office that the Holy Spirit has put you in and confirmed that office by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery and the recognition of the men of God who are around you and the life that you live. I just want to tell you, if somebody can preach, they may can preach the house down. They, they, make, they, they make and call fire down out of heaven. But I'm telling you, if they're not living right, you don't need to follow them. So, oh, pastor, how can you say such a thing? They have signs and wonders. The Bible says there'll be lying signs and wonders in the last days. Don't be hoodwinked into following some th somebody that's hollering about an anointing unless the anointing is definitively at work in their life. And let me just say this, and I'm closing. This is it. That's the third time. I'm quitting. The anointing
the anointing is so important. And we've got to have it if we're going to be what God says we are. And if that anointing is not there affirming and confirming what's going on, then we need to stay away from it. It defines who we are. If we're not living the life, if we're, I, I'm not talking about being perfect, but I'm talking about somebody that's got a whole... I have said this for years. If you're going to be in the ministry, develop a lifestyle that God can bless. Come on. If it's easy for you to cuss, you don't need to be in the pulpit. Okay? If you don't have a desire for righteousness and to live right and to tell the truth and to love your wife and to pay your bills, don't get in the pulpit. This is a holy place. This is sacred. We don't need to be making fun of Jesus. See, you won't get this in any other church in, in, in Monticello today. You won't get this. And you may not get this anymore here. <laughs> Gord, what kind of phone calls I get this week, I suppose. You understand what I'm saying? The anointing is defining. It came upon Jesus and anointed Jesus to do the works that He did. And it'll come upon you to empower you and energize you to do the works that you do. Listen to this. The, this, the gifts of the Spirit give power to the Gospel. But it is the fruit of the Spirit that defines the Gospel. It is the fruit of the Spirit that gives character to the Gospel and tells us who Jesus is. Yes, He did powerful things. Yes, He did wonderful things in the Spirit. But He was full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. May God help us to be defined by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank You for this day, for this uh, sweet people this good church. Lord, I believe they're truth seekers. I believe with all my heart they want to know the truth. And they want to live for God. And they want to serve the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And they want to walk with you and have fellowship with you. And I ask you today, Lord, teach us how you mark us with your anointing so that we'll stand out in the crowd, so that we will be distinguished in the earth as followers of Jesus. No one will have to ask us who we are. Our works will have gone before us, and the presence of the Lord will have defined us. God, speak to every heart and every life in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning as a pastor, I don't know Christ as my Savior. Or pastor, I'm, I'm not living for the Lord. I, I'm not where I need to be with God. And that's your need this morning is to come to Christ, is to reestablish a relationship with Him. 
While I've been preaching, the Holy Spirit's been talking to you, I know, because that's what He does. He lifts up Jesus and He draws men to Christ. So I'm asking you today, if you need the Lord, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're not going to come to you, not going to embarrass you, not going to put you on the spot. But I want this decision to be yours today. Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I really want to live under this anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want that think right, act right, feel right anointing. And I want to move in my calling. I want to move and function in my life with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. His anointing defines us. I can't be a good wife without an anointing. I can't be a good husband without an anointing. I can't, I can't be that child of my parents that I need to be without that anointing. I, I can't do my work like I need to do it without an anointing. See, that's how, that's how impacting it is. It defines us. And all over this room today, you'd get up from where you're at and you'd come and kneel at one of these altars or stand here in the front and I'd love to pray with you for a moment. Pastor, I want to get things right with Jesus. I want to make Christ the Lord of my life. Anybody? Pastor, I'm backslidden. I've gotten cold in my spirit and I really do need to step up and let Jesus be Lord of everything again. How many of you this morning in this service would say as a Christian, I want that anointing that is directional, starting with my head, going to my feet. I want Jesus to be Lord of everything. I want that think right, act right, feel right anointing. Pastor, I want to be defined by the presence of Jesus in my life. I just want to tell you, so many people are following signs. We're not supposed to follow signs. Signs are supposed to follow us. That's backwards. And if you get full of Jesus, signs will follow your life. You may never raise a dead person, but I'm telling you, people will be drawn to you because of the presence of Jesus in your life. And that's a powerful sign. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you'll live contagiously. And folks will see Christ in your life and they'll want what you have. That's living powerfully. Pastor, that's me. I want that in my life. And all over this room, you'd stand today as a Christian and say, that's it. I want that think right, act right, feel right anointing. And I want to be defined by the presence of Jesus in my life. Would you stand today all over this room and let's lift our hands to God 
And before we take communion, let's ask the Holy Spirit for that fresh new touch of an anointing on our lives today. God, let the Holy Spirit rest upon us. Lord, I've, I've done the best that I know how to do this morning to relate this Word of God, this precious, wonderful truth. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. God, help us to let that directional anointing start with our mind, start with our thought process, help us to get rid of stinking thinking and come to the place where we are letting our mind be the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God is active in us. You give us power. Lord, the Holy Spirit energizes. The blood sanctifies, but the Spirit energizes. It makes it real. Lord, I pray that you'd touch us. Touch us today. In Jesus' mighty name. Would you just reach your hands out to God and let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, anoint the people of God this morning with a fresh touch of God's presence. Lord, some of them have come this morning facing life's battles. Some of them have come with a heart that's wounded. Some of them have come today with, with hopes that are, that are dangling by a thin thread. Some are coming today, their, their hearts are heavy with the thoughts of a loved one. God, I plead today for an anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let the oil of gladness come upon us. Jesus, you can make us glad. Only you can lift the heavy burdens and take the weariness away. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God, I prophesy that over God's house and God's people today in the mighty name of of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving us like you do. Thank you for touching us and giving us your grace, oh God. Today I pray every need will be met in Jesus' name.